And I'm going to go ahead and, and just uh, open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for the weapons that you have given us. They are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We thank you, Lord, that every stronghold that's been built up in the minds of people today come down in Jesus' name. Father, that the word of God goes forth mightily, and it destroys every lie, everything of the enemy that has been uh, tried to be rooted or established in the minds of people. People, but today your word goes forth with power and it does not return void. It goes forth doing what it was sent to do. It will it will prosper us. It will cause us to, to walk with wisdom. It will cause us to have wise counsel and judgment and discernment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, and I'm going to start at verse 6. And it says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I was going to stop there for a second. Because we, we realize that if we're sowing, then we know if we go out and plant one seed, we're going to get the harvest from one seed. It doesn't, it doesn't magically turn into uh, 20 seeds and 20 plants. One seed produces one plant, right? And I think sometimes when we get into the idea of seeds, many times people have, because we've gotten away from uh, living off of the land like our ancestors did, this was a way of life for the Israelites. This was a way uh, that they lived every single single year. They were very familiar with seed time and harvest. Everything to do with their life and concerning their life was built around seed time and harvest. If it wasn't fruits and vegetables and the things of the earth, the wheat and the grains, then it was of their livestock. And so everything that... Um, they received as a blessing. Yes, there was there was money too, silver and gold, but much of what came into their hands and their daily living came through their livestock and their farming, their, their harvesting. And so I think even today we forget many of the dynamics because we don't have to go out. We're not sitting around going, oh, I hope it rains because I really need rain for my harvest. We're not sitting around worrying about that unless it directly impacts us, unless we have a well that we receive our water from and we're like man the well's getting dry kids quit taking long showers you know you need to conserve the water but any other time we're not worried about it if we need a loaf of bread we go to the store we get our bread we're not sitting there worried about whether or not our wheat is growing because nobody's growing wheat and so we forget the dynamics that that it consists of when we're talking about seed time and harvest and so I just kind of want to remind us as we're going through that to really put yourself in a position some of you are gardeners so you're going to relate with it a little bit more um, but that that seed that you plant is very important or the seeds that you plant are very important for your harvest and I think many times there are there's a lot of people that they're waiting on a harvest that there's never been any seed put in the ground and much of the Christian church is like this, sadly. But not this church. Not this church. But many people are sitting around waiting for the harvest. God, give us my harvest. Give me my harvest. You know, I need this. I need that paid. I need this done. But they've not planted anything. And so there's got to be a consistency with our planting. And, of course, uh, we'll go through this. So it says, those who reap or sow sparingly will reap sparingly. If they sow bountifully, if they go out and they sow a lot, then their harvest is going to be much more than the person that sowed sparingly, right? Makes sense. Verse 7, so let each one give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So before we even go any further, I don't want this to be a message where 
uh, you, you receive a, an obligation or a condemnation because I want every person in their heart to be free to sow exactly as the Lord has told them and is exactly as the word of God has said, not under obligation, not under condemnation, because there should be a freedom in our hearts for God to speak to us and, to, and for us to also obey the principles of the word of God. And it, it's between us and him. And our heart should be ready to receive that from the Lord. Our heart should be willing and obedient so we can eat of the fruit of the land, eat of the good of the land. But that word compulsion or grudgingly, when it says don't give uh, grudgingly or out of necessity, it's interesting because it, that word necessity means because there's a need. And I know I've been there. I've given before just because there was a need. Not because the Lord actually told me to do it. Now, I'm not talking about tithes. Tithes are required, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. But I'm talking about an offering, a free will offering, where you, you hear something and you're like, man, I, I feel like I have to give. I feel obligated to give. But it's not like I'm really feeling in my heart to do so. And so I want you to be liberated in the sense of your communication with the Lord. Like you're asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? You can't solve every problem there is in the world. You can't solve all of the, the hunger issues. You can't solve all of the church issues. You can't solve all of the, the salvation issues. You can't solve everything. But each church has a purpose and a focus. And as they're carrying those things out, then they're being obedient to the mission that God has given them to do. And what has been placed in your heart, you're to sow into that. What God gives you or the responsibility he has given you, he's placed in your heart. Many times people have a burden for something because he wants to use you in that area there there are even ministries in here where like we just honored the the greeters and the uh, parking lot team there are times there are other ministries there's youth and there's junior high uh, there's the the ushers and there's the first impressions well many times people on those teams will give into those teams there's the praise and worship team well those teams need equipment obviously so whenever those teams are giving they have a heart because they're invested in that team so the people in the praise and worship team tend to have a heart to give into praise and worship because they have a heart for that. Or they'll give into the media or the sound room for it to help pay for equipment. Why? Because they're invested in that. Someone that's on a different team, someone that's doing youth may have a desire to sow into the youth group. But it doesn't mean that one person is going to be able to meet every need of the church. So God places things in people's hearts for a purpose. I got to move on if we're going to get very far. All right. So not out of necessity or because there is a need and not out of regret or a reluctant heart. Not out of regret or a reluctant heart. A heart that's begrudging. A heart that's, yeah, I'll do it, but I don't really want to. What kind of giver does God love? A cheerful giver. So he wants your joy attached to it. He wants the desire that, that you want to give to his purposes. Not like, oh, I'm doing this. How many, how many moms or dads in here, you, it makes you so happy when your kid goes, I'll do it. And they, and they have a total attitude about it. Anybody in here like, yes, that, I love it when my kid does that. No. But if they have a good attitude... And they're like, sure, mom, absolutely. I'll get that done. It's like, oh, that's so pleasing. And, and it's just your, your heart goes out to them. And it's like you want to do something for them because they're doing something that, that is pleasing you. And they're doing it with a good attitude. Well, it's the same thing with God. God, it, it doesn't do any good to do something grudgingly or with an attitude. And God is able, let's move on, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I'm going to stop there. So it is God that supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater, bread for, for the person for food. It's God that supplies all things. Many times we're looking to who? Our employer, our parents, somebody else. But it is God that will cause favor to come upon us. It's God that will that will give get seed to us. But we have to we have to pray for that too. I remember uh, one of the pastors at KC a couple of years ago. They had a huge building project going on in Alaska, and he he was at conference and and he was like, Lord. I'm just praying, give me seed to sow, personally. Give me seed to sow into this building project for the church that we're building. And someone at that conference came up and gave him a, a personal seed of $10,000. This is for you, huh? $20,000. And, and he, they said, it wasn't, it, this isn't for the church. This is for you personally. And gave him that check or whatever it was, it might have been cash, I don't know. But he, he took that and he sold that into the kingdom and into the work. But he had prayed for that. God, give me seed to sow. Give me seed to sow. You know, and I was thinking about that because last year, you know, we, we just got settled in the house that we bought. And uh, so it was our first year of, of putting in a garden last year. And I had planted... Um, some beans last year, some some uh, French beans last year, and I had to at the as the year was going on, you know, picked some. We ate a lot, we canned a lot, but then there was also a time that I had to determine what do I want to save for replanting next year, because I. I do heirlooms where they, they can continue to grow year after year. So I, I save a portion so I can re-sow them next year and for the harvest next year. Well, I'm, I'm putting some aside, but obviously I want to put enough aside that I have some to sow for next year's harvest. I don't want to just set aside 10 and be like, well, I have 10 plants to, to pick off from. That's not going to give me much for next year. And so this year, or last year, I did that. I sowed some. When the harvest came, I set some aside, and we ate some. This is what that's talking about. Not everything that comes into your hand is food, is for you to consume. Some of that is seed, and you have to determine what is seed for my next harvest. And in fact, I planted every bean, bean seed I had last year. But this year, as we harvested some and, and ate some, and then I put some aside, I not only had enough to, to sow this year, but I had extra. And so this morning, I, I gave Connie. So, Jim, you can take that and go out and plant that for her. But I gave some to Connie. So I had more left over to share with someone else. Well, that's extra harvest. That's abundance. Well, God wants to give us abundance. Abundance is whatever we're putting our hand to, then he wants to supply that, and not only that, but more so that we can give to others. He wants us to be a blessing, but not, not just to pour in just so you can have it. And that's part of the problem with, with the idea of, of people they can kind of get a mindset with the prosperity gospel. See, the gospel does have prosperity in it. But we have to be careful that our heart is not getting turned for a me reason. Like, I just want blessed just for me. The reason he wants to bless you, yes, he loves you just as any father, any mother loves their child and wants to bless them. But he wants to bless you so that he can extend his love to you, through you, to others. And as you're able to do that, it's more of a witness to other people because you're allowing his love to shine through you. So he wants to bless you, yes, but he wants you to be a blessing over abundance so that you can bless others. What is, what is abundance? Well, it doesn't do a bit of good for God to bless you in a way 
that has nothing to do with your mission, your cause, or anything, that if you, let's say you have a, a, a house in the city, it doesn't do a bit of good for God to bless you with a farm tractor. I doubt that that's what you've been praying for if you're living in the city. God, I just really want a tractor to, to park in the garage or right beside the house or out in my, my backyard, and it'll take up my whole backyard, and I just want a tractor. Like, I'm talking about farm tractor. That, that's not a blessing if you don't need it, and it's not helping you accomplish your mission. So it's not just about having stuff. It's about what is your mission, what is your purpose, what has he called you to do, and the abundance is what you need for your purpose. And it's not going to look the same for everybody. If I'm not a traveling minister, then I don't need a jet right? But a ministry that travels all the time, they need a jet. Why? Because that's what they do consistently. And it saves them time. They're able to use more energy and time in their, in their normal daily schedule to accomplish their mission rather than sitting for four hours in one day in an airport, uh, layovers and all of that. They can fly immediately to where they need to go, distribute whatever it is, evangelize, whatever they need to do, get back home and have a meeting with their staff. They can get more done whenever they have the resources that are needed. And people have a problem with that. But it's what they need for their mission and their cause. Wouldn't it be better that they're able to utilize their 24-hour day for a better cause and a better reason rather than sitting in an airport? And wasting three, four hours? See, it's about time management as well. It's not about having the jet. Jet is maintenance. Jet, having a jet is a lot of extra money. And people don't realize like the cost that goes along with it, the maintenance that goes along with it, all of the extra. So it's not like, oh, I have a jet and it's so exciting. It's because it's the purpose and the mission behind it. It's a resource. What if I looked at somebody in here and said, you don't need a car, you can walk to work. Why do you think you need a car? Well, because it saves me an hour and a half every day of getting to work. Well, for some people, getting to work is in another country, is across the state, across the nation. So different mission, different level. All right, let's get through... Let's go ahead and go to Malachi. As we're getting into the weapon of giving, we need to understand the types of giving that there are. Because a lot of people think that tithe and offering, when we stand up here and say, oh, we're getting ready to minister to the Lord with our tithe and our offering, and we think that that. The, the whole idea of giving is just tithe and offering. Like, everything is just tithe and offering. But that's not, that's not what it is. There are different types of giving, and they all have a reward with it. They all have a harvest that's attached to it. But there are different types of giving. And so I want to just uh, go through each one so that you understand what each type of giving is so that you're able to access the benefit of that. Is anybody else warm? It is warm in here, or is it just me? No? Okay, then leave it alone if everybody else is good. I just feel like it's stuffy. All right, so Malachi, chapter 1. Now, this is an interesting passage because you really get a bigger picture when you read all of Malachi. I know a lot of times, you know, whenever we do a tithe and offering message, you know, a lot of people go to Malachi 3 and, and to the tithe and offering portion. But in the, throughout the book of 
Malachi, the whole book, God's talking about how the people are, tr- are dishonoring him. They're, they're not holding honor for God in their hearts. And so I want to look at this because first and foremost, if we're not tithing to me, like that's, that's, the, that's the basic. That's the, the basic requirement that God asks us to do. And so that's kind of the first place that we need to really step into. But Malachi 1, verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to the priests who despise my name? Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, meaning like blind animals because they would offer animals as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts, who is there even among you, who would shut the door so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But if you profane it in that You say the table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit and its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring the stolen, the lame, the sick, thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Man, that is a, I don't know how you can get any more clear than that. But God is saying, I am a king to be honored. I am a father. I am a good master. Yet you dishonor me by bringing your broken, your leftovers, your lame, the, the things that are, are pretty much what you don't want. What is not usable in your own home, you're bringing to me. I don't know, has anybody ever gotten a bag of clothes and they were all like junk and you just, or somebody gave you something, or I'm sure they get it all of, all the time at Goodwill. You know, somebody drops stuff off and it's just junk and they just have to trash it themselves. You know, but it's like God is saying, you bring me the lame, the, the animals that are that are blind or they're lame, they're hurt. You bring me the worst of what you have. Go try to offer that to your governor and see if he's happy about that. Many times because we're not standing face to face with God, we act like this is just okay. Like it's up for negotiation. Well, you know, I just don't think that, you know, God God just... People say, well, God sees my heart. Yeah, he does. That's the point. (laughs) That's the point. People used to say to me all the time, you know, because I homeschooled my kids. Well, you know, yeah, but they'll, they'll end up socially awkward and and they won't have you know what about this the social side of things and I'm like yeah exactly that's the reason why I homeschool because the social side of school many times is, is horrible and then you have to undo so much stuff when they come home of course I'm not putting anybody down that has their kids public school this was a thing that I chose to do but it's like people don't think a lot of times And they'll just say things, and you're like, yeah, exactly. Think that through. God sees my heart. Yeah, think that through. The fact that you're giving him the leftovers 
shows where your heart is at. So if you flip over to chapter 3, verse 8, it goes on to say, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You don't have to rebuke it. He will rebuke. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. He will do that. You don't have to stand having warfare over your finances. When you're tithing, that tithe is set up as a protection for you. That the devourer doesn't come in and devour your stuff. Now, obviously, today, we're, we're, most of us are not out in, in the, the yard planting wheat and, and hoping for this year's wheat harvest so we have enough bread for the, the rest of the year. But what comes into your hand is through your job. When that comes into your hand, is it spin out in, in everything, not by your choice, but this breaks down and that breaks down, and, and we can't seem to get ahead. Well, many times it's because the protection of the Lord is not on a person's life if they're not trusting in the Lord with the 10%. So he says, he will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we notice here there are two types of giving. There's tithes and there's offerings. A tithe is 10%. That is what the word tithe means. It means a tenth. It means a tenth. It doesn't mean 2%. It doesn't mean 15%. And it doesn't mean 25%. It means a tenth. So even when you read in the Word of God, whenever they would, uh, they, they would talk about letting uh, every tenth one, every tenth sheep that goes under the rod, they would pull that tenth one aside for an offering. So when it talks about that, that's what they're doing, every tenth one. So the tenth or the tithe is what is devoted to God. He considers that holy. It's a devoted thing. In his, in his mind and in his ways, that is already devoted to him. That is his. So when we take that and use it for ourselves, then we are dishonoring him, and that's why he says, you're robbing me. Because it's already mine. But you're taking it and you're using it for yourself. Okay, stick with me with the tithe, okay? This is the hardest one to get through because it's the harshest. That's why I started with it so we can end, end a little bit more happy, okay? But if, it, if conviction needs to fall, then let it fall. Okay. All right, so not every gift is a tithe. If you make $100 and 10% of that is $10, and you put $10 in the offering for your tithe, that's your tithe. $20 is not a tithe. $10 is your tithe. The other 10 is an offering that you're giving. So the offering is up to you. An offering is what you choose in your heart that you want to give above and beyond the tithe. So the offering is many times what, what we use, we're, we're thankful, we, we're thanking God. We want to show that we acknowledge what is coming from him. That Lord, I acknowledge you have given me this job. You have allowed me to, to be favored in this position. You have given me my home. You've given me my car. You've given me everything. And I love you and I want to honor you with extra. We can also attach faith to our offering. So whenever we're taking a, a special offering, like the Pentecost offering, that's a special offering. That's not a tithe. That's a special offering. It's above and beyond our tithe. So if a tithe is 10%, then you can't reverse tithe. 
I know some people talk about reverse tithing. Well, I'm just, I'm working my way to live off of 10% and give God 90. That's a wonderful thing. But there is no thing as reverse tithing because tithing is tithing, tithing is a tenth. It just means that you're giving your, your tithe and then you're also giving a very large offering. So don't get it mixed up. Also, the tithe goes to your local storehouse. That's why it says bring it to the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Why? So that the place that you're getting fed spiritually is functioning and, and, and isn't a place that... How many people like to be on a, on a good team? Like you want to you wanna go for that team that's the winning team and, and they got it together and they look like they know what they're doing and it's like you're proud to be part of that team, right? Well... God's house should be like that. We should be the best of the best in the world. Christians, we have access to the mind of God. So if we are spending time with him, we should be walking out the wisdom of God in our life. His house shouldn't look, and that's one of the reasons that that we're looking for more. This was a beginning place. The Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Well, this is our small beginning, but it's not going to be our ending. So as we grow and as we increase, we want to be able to impact more people, be able to impact the community more, and to have a place where God's name is revered and people come from all around to worship. So you want to you want to be excited about the team that you're on. If God's house doesn't look good, then what kind of representation are we? If we go out, think about your representation when you go to work or when you go out. Or if you see someone else that says they're a Christian, but their life isn't showing it, their mouth isn't showing it, then you're going, uh, they don't really represent God to me. Well, that's how we are as Christians and in the house of fellowship that we come to. We want to give God our best. All right, and we also saw at the beginning in the, in the other chapter before, as well as in verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. And that's the biggest thing we have to realize. If we are not giving God our tithe... If we're not giving him our offering, then we are robbing him and there is a curse attached to it. That's enough to, to make me change my mind in, in a heartbeat and say, okay, sign me up. Because I don't want a curse on my life. I don't want everything that I'm doing to just hit a, a wall and feel like, man, you know, I'm, I'm up against the God of the universe. Everything I'm doing is coming to nothing because I've set myself against him. It's better to trust God and give him the 10 and have your 90 be blessed than have your 100 and it all be cursed. All right, so we saw the tithe and the offering. The tithe and the offering. Sometimes it's called a free will offering because it's up to you. You just want me to go through one more. All right, let's let's um let's turn to Proverbs twenty eight. Proverbs twenty eight. Verse 27 says, he who gives to the poor will not lack. That's a, that right there is enough to hold on to. He who gives to the poor will not lack. But he who hides his eyes or shuts his eyes will have many curses. 
So when we turn our eyes away, when we refuse to look and give to the poor, then and if we're shutting our eyes to that and choosing to walk away and not help when we can help, then there's a curse also attached to that. Now, you guys have heard me talk before the difference between a burden and a load. Because in Galatians, it talks about every man should carry his own load. And then it talks right after that how every person should help bear one another's burdens. And in America, we do tend to see uh, a difference in that. In some countries, that's not the case. There is the poor of the poor. They have nothing. They're, they're, they're going hungry. In America, that's not the case. People, people are, America has systems in place to make sure that people get fed the majority of the time. And if somebody is not carrying their own load because they're choosing not to work and they're just expecting a handout, then that's different than someone that is doing everything that they can do and they can't seem to get ahead. Doing everything that they can do. A single mom with children and they're working their butt off. They need help. But then there are some that choose to live in a way that they just expect a handout. We've all seen the difference. So I just want to point that out because there, there is also an understanding that there's an obligation to the poor, the true poor, the, those that truly need help. Not to every person that, that says that they're poor, but they're choosing not to do anything. And, and they just want to bleed you of your finances because they're sitting around just, you, you owe me. Everybody owes me something. Because that's a, that's a poverty mentality as well. Everybody owes me. And so when I'm, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about those that truly need help. If we choose to shut our eyes to those that truly need help, a curse can come upon us. But on the flip side of that, if we choose to give, it says we shall never be in lack. We will never be in lack. These are promises that you can take to the bank, the, so to speak. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> These are promises for you to stand on. Lord, your word says that when I give, even when you make these, these choices, when you give an offering, when you give your tithe, when you give to the poor, when you make those decisions to do that, Father, I thank you that your word says. I mean, many times when we're praying over our offering, that's what we're doing, that we're silently over here in, in our corner saying, Father, I thank you that the devourer is rebuked, that none of my fruits shall cast early, that nothing shall be devoured in Jesus' name, that you cover me, that you protect me. This is a protection, a protection policy. We had a clip up a couple weeks ago that our social media team had put up, and it had something to do with Pastor Brad saying something about... Uh, you know, that when we give, it, that there's a blessing attached, and someone commented on it and said, well, I give to the Lord because I love. Yes, that is the motive. <laughs> but a lot of times people don't understand that there's something else to stand on, that there's a protection. And if you don't understand that, and you're saying, well, I just give out a love, but I don't understand the protection side of it, then you'll never stand on it, and the enemy can come in through that deception and still take because you don't know the law. But if you know both, I'm giving because, yes, I love him. He has given me everything, and therefore I owe him everything. But I also know with that there's a benefit there's a benefit that comes with that. So I'm going to stand on the benefit. I'm not going to just let that pass me by. Why? Because I want to be a blessing to other people. I want to have a, an impact on others during my time on this earth. I don't want to just get by. I don't want to be in a place where, where I can't help others when they're in need. 
So we choose to do these things to move forward, to advance the kingdom of God. And so it says, he who gives to the poor will not lack. That is your promise. Thank you, Father, that even as I gave so-and-so something, that I shall not lack. I will not lack one day of my life. Because I am giving, and those that I see that are in need, I'm giving to them. Let's go to Isaiah. Let's finish up in Isaiah. Isaiah 58. Verse 6. It says, is this not the fast I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. That means your own family. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Do you notice these things? I understand that it's talking about a a fast, but he's also saying you're fasting. If you read before that, he's saying you're fasting, but but it means nothing to me because you're treating people with oppression. You're keeping the wicked bound up. You're not allowing people their freedom and their liberty. You're not blessing anybody. You're not helping anyone. In fact, you've got them more in a bondage. But he says when you do these things, then what happens? Your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard then you shall call and the Lord will answer you shall cry and he will say I am here when we do these things when we let when we are breaking oppression off of people's lives well an oppression many times can be a, a financial issue when it says you're feeding the hungry you're clothing the naked you're doing these things then your light will break forth Your light will break forth. Your healing will come. Your justice will come. Righteousness will go before you. And God will be your rear guard. And then he will hear from heaven. And he will say, here I am. So when we take the, the, the heart and the compassion upon other people that are in need, And we give to them. God sees that. There is an account in heaven that's being written of that. And they, the angelic hosts make notes of what we do. Things do not go unnoticed. In fact, the Bible says to store up. In fact, it says don't store up treasures here on earth where moth will eat and the rust gets to it but to store up treasures in heaven, to store up treasures in heaven where the thief can't get to it, the rust can't, can't corrode it, where the moths can't get to it. Do you know why that is? You know, I was reading Kenneth Copeland's book not too long ago, and it was interesting because I'd never really had this thought before. But he said most people kind of in their mind when they, when they uh, say that verse and when they read that verse, they think, you know, store up treasures from in heaven so that whenever you die and go to heaven, then someday you'll have access to that. But he says that's not when it's for. It's for now. The things of our salvation are for now. When Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and he rose again, your salvation, your redemption is now. 
When you get saved, everything with salvation is now. Everything from heaven is now. How much we choose to walk in here on earth depends on us. That's why the things of heaven, we can, we can take those things and manifest them here on earth. But if we choose not to, and, and always look at it as someday in glory land, someday when we get to heaven, you know, God doesn't have any, any reason for us to be trading coins and, and buying and selling in heaven. Like, he uses gold for the roads, for pavement. So those things that are being stored up in our heavenly account, it's for now, for when we need them. And then whenever we have done so much and we have stored these things up, when it's time for us to, to take into draw from that account, Lord, this is what you've asked me to do. So I'm moving in this and I'm expecting this to be there. I'm needing this to come to pass because you've asked me to do this. You've called me to walk in this. So I'm expecting every provision to be there. When we went into the mission field, we, our, our income had to go to a whole nother level. Because we were now, just for us to pay rent for the home that we were in, supply the church because there was no church, we were starting the church. And to, to live in, in Hana, with milk at, at $6 a gallon, whatever it was then, gas $6 a gallon, ice cream $20 a gallon. That was a treat. Your, your faith had to go to another level of living, but you know, I knew in my heart God is going to provide because he's called us here. He's, he's not going to call and not provide. So never once did I have the mentality of, of I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to make it. Because I knew that I knew he had called us, so I knew that I knew he would provide. Provision would be there. And I didn't sit there and, and watch the gas thing go around and around and around. We better stop. No. Why? Because that was his problem, not mine. He called me there. The rent wasn't my problem. It was his problem. Why? I was on his mission. I wasn't on my own mission. Does the army take care of their soldiers? Or do they come and they say, you know, guys, thanks for signing up. We so appreciate it. Uh, but we, we need you to pay for your meals, for your housing, your lodging, all of your bunk stuff, everything. You need to come uh, loaded in your checking account to pay us a monthly. No, they provide it all. They provide them with the ammunition. They provide them with the weapons. They provide them with the place to stay. They provide them with everything that's needed for the mission. Now, if we're, if we're trying to do our own mission, then we might need to think, rethink what we're doing. Because if we're running around trying to just please ourselves with worldly things constantly, I want, I want, gimme, gimme, gimme. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't want, want you to have good things. He does. But if that's where your heart is at and you're just running after things and not his purposes, there's got to be a balance there. You got you to gotta check the heart. But if your purpose is for him, he wants to bless you because he can trust you. He can trust you. Minister, can you go ahead and come to the keyboard? So giving to the poor or almsgiving, almsgiving. It's kind of an old-fashioned King James Version word, alms. We don't use it much today in our time, but it's giving to those who are in need. But with it comes a blessing. Now, it's, it's not, the blessing doesn't come typically from the person that you blessed. Your eyes have to be on God. And that's the, that's the joy in it. Because no matter what, just like I'm storing up treasures in heaven, what does that mean? 
No moth can get to it, no rust, no thief. It's in a secure place. Here on earth, things can get stolen. Investments can go bad. Things can get lost. But God sees everything that we do, everything that we give. And so therefore, we can ride on the promise of his word. I shall never lack. He's rebuking the devourer. I don't have to worry about whether something is, even if something, you know, things on earth, yeah, they, they do break down, you know, eventually. Things, things happen because it's, a, it's an earthly item. Appliances, you know, eventually go bad. But I don't have to worry because he will make sure that everything is provided for. Everything is provided for. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And it's faith in his word and it's faith in his covenant. He is faithful. He can't go against his word. But if we don't know his word and then the enemy tries to come in and deceive us in our minds, well, how is this going to happen? How am I going to have enough? How am I going to make this happen? I would rather rob the electric company than I would God. But you know what? I truly believe, because the word of God says so, because he is faithful, that if I give him what's owed him, everything else will come into place. Everything else will come into place. And I understand that there's a, a growing to increase. Because, and, and I think that's the thing. Well, I tried it once. Now, this is a covenant. This isn't a one time I'll try it out and see, see if God does his part and see if I get a million dollar check in the mail. That's not how it works. And that's where you do something out of the principle of you love God. Yes, there's a benefit, but I do it because his word says so, because I owe him all of my life. But then there's a benefit. And then there's increase. In Genesis, when you look at when Isaac sowed in a land when there was a famine, it said he sowed that year. But the thing you got to realize is before that, there, it says there was famine in the land. And Isaac was on his way to Egypt. And God told him, do not go to Egypt. And so he stayed in that place and he sowed in the midst of a famine and he gained a hundredfold that year. But what you have to realize is that he did not run in fear and ignore the word of the Lord. He stayed in faith. I'm going to sow in this middle, in the middle of this dry moment, this famine moment, this moment when it looks like there's no rain, there's, there's no harvest. When people are wondering, what are we going to eat? And I, can, I could sit here and I could take this seed and I could eat the seed instead of sowing it and then go, well, we're on our, our last bit. Or I can sow and believe that God's going to bless it. And then it said that he increased. He, he, he was blessed a hundredfold that year. And then he increased and he prospered and he prospered greatly and then he was envied by the Philistines so there's increase to our walk it's not an overnight thing there's increase to our walk so stay faithful stay faithful don't give up and keep your eyes on what his covenant promises say I shall not lack 
The devourer has no right to my stuff. You know, the other night we, we came home, Wednesday night. And fortunately, uh, Pastor Brad went out to the freezer in our, our extra freezer in our garage and our compressor had completely froze off and, and everything was beginning to unthaw. All of our meat that we had, uh, half a beef that we had purchased this year, Greg was there. He got to witness the whole thing, <laughs> help us for a little bit. But, you know, even in that, because I, I got to thinking, and Lena, later I was like, Lord, thank you that Brad went out to the freezer because we could have lost all of it. We could have lost everything. Thank you that he went out to the freezer and that he found that. I had to spend the next day dealing with it all, canning, frying it up, freezing ground meat. But I'm thankful because we could have lost all of it. It all could have been gone. And sometimes it's the smallest things. He went to the freezer, because I don't know that I would have went out there for the next few days. That was a blessing. And sometimes we have to be appreciative of the little things and realize God's hand was on something, even in the moment when you know, the next day I'm, I'm working from the time I get up to the time, you know, that was my day off. Till 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I, I could have been like, Argh! you know, but I'm thankful. And sometimes we have to realize that even when things look like they're a mess, God's still there. And he's, in his own way, yes, that appliance may have went down, but the, he kept everything in place and we didn't lose anything. Go ahead and stand up. realize for some this might be more of a word of encouragement or maybe even a step to do more with our, our free offerings and our uh, you know blessing the poor for some you know there's already the, the covenant to the tithe you've been consistent in that for many years for some it may be a new step. And I'm not standing here today saying, do it because the church needs it. Because that's not, that's not the reason for it. This church is doing well for its size. We are in the black. It has nothing to do with that. Even if no one in this church gave, God would supply somehow through other ways and resources. Why? Because it's his mission. But I know that's not who this church is going to be. We're a church that's obedient to the word of God, and we walk in faith. We walk in faith. So even those that maybe this has been a, a challenge for you today, maybe it's been a message that has been a little bit hard to swallow. Maybe it's been confirmation. I don't know. But I want to encourage you today to trust in the Lord. It's not it has nothing to do with the church. It has everything to do with him, his word, and his covenant. A step of trusting in him. Protection, protection for you, your home, and your life. 
So I just want to pray over each one of you. Pastor Miranda prays. I just, um, and I don't know what point, but I, I, I just, um, you know, the Lord just keeps quickening me around this, but I feel that the Lord has asked some of you not to be employees, but to be employers. Okay? Just hear what I'm saying. That the Lord has asked some of you to be employer is not an employee and see obedience is key obedience is key to the blessing of God okay and I don't know anybody's position I just I I kept hearing that as she was preaching the word and um, and 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 I just I'm just here to remind you of that that the Lord has asked you so if you need to evaluate something you need to look at something before Pastor Miranda prays today. You know, I there, there's got to be words that we grab a hold of and, and we get into our spirit that 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 challenges us to another level, that takes us to a greater level. Amen. It's so that we can do more for God. Amen. And then what she said, you know, you know, this, this church was placed here out of faith. You know, Dr. Morocco said, you know what, we'll we'll take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. You go, you plant. We're going to support that work until you're until you're up and able and running. There was a church in Molokai. It took 42 years for that church to get into the black. They celebrate they celebrate their 43rd anniversary this year in the black. Amen. Two years now they've been operating. Maybe three. They've been operating in the black. You know. So it, it's it's the thing about it. It's not about guys. Listen to me. It's not about it's not about just money. It's so much bigger. But as the Lord has even spoke that to you, even in this, if, you know, I, I believe that was very specific as the Lord spoke that to me today. That he's asked some of you to be, <laughs> to be employers, not employees. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's a small step that you have to take. Maybe it's a little step. Maybe, maybe it's something small that you need to start in and to see, the God, to see God move in that. Amen. But God wants to bless you. Amen. That's been a a bit of a running theme even through our prayer times because I I do believe and it felt like the Lord has been pressing this year for those that that feel the call to be in business. And it's, it's not to, well, I can work my own hours and I can just answer to me. It has nothing to do with that because we've been in business three different times with different ventures and and it's never about calling your own hours because business people work harder than somebody that goes to a nine to five job and that's the misconception a lot of times people think that that well you know being a business owner is going to be easier than a nine to five being a business owner You put a lot more work in, and it's after hours, it's before hours. But the thing is, if God is pressing you to do that, there's a purpose behind it. There's a mission behind it. When we opened the daycare center, 15, whatever, maybe longer than that now, years ago, there was a purpose in it. There were children. I don't know how many children came through that place in a matter of 10 years. But they all heard about Christ. Many children got saved. And now they're graduating high school and they're, they're off to college. And we run into some of them from time to time. But many of them got saved when they were little. And they had the word of God sowing in them. There was a purpose behind it. It wasn't just to, to be in business. There was a mission behind it. And for employers that attach themselves, and even through that, we were able to bless men and women of God out of our own funds because of that. And so even being able to, to do more, that's what it's about. 
so that you're not under the constraints of someone else, but you you can create a place where God can be preached. Employees can be touched. You call the shots. If you don't want your employees to have to wear a mask to, to work, then, then you don't have to. It's your place. We owned this building. That's why it was whenever there was the gathering, we, we gathered together. No one... There were other churches that had to close down because it wasn't their building. They were renting a facility. They were renting a place. When you own something, you call the shots. You're not, you're not having to answer to someone else. But I believe that God is orchestrating this. And there's a, there's a window of time that God is wanting to set people up to bring in an avenue of finances into their hands so that in this last day the gospel can be pushed into nations into the United States like never before before the return of Christ but it happens only through the influence and the finances of godly people that's why the shift of the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just but the just have to get things in order we have to set ourselves up in a place. It's, it's not about sowing a seed and then going home, sitting on, on a couch, waiting to receive the million-dollar check in the mail. He tells us to occupy. Occupy until I return. And you look at all of the parables. It was about his, his children working, his servants working. But wouldn't you much rather work for God with the mission and the burden he's placed in your heart than somebody else's mission that may not have anything to do with God. And I'm not saying your mission has to be a ministry, so to speak. You can, there are men and women that have amazing businesses, but they tie their business to the kingdom of God and they're able to financially sow into the kingdom of God like never before but they're they're doing they're teaching they're a bricklayer they're whatever whatever that 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 business is it, they may have a restaurant but they tie it to the kingdom of God everybody's got a place and that's why the Bible recognizes the gift of giving let's just go ahead and close our eyes for a moment